Good morning. Welcome as we come to worship our God on the Lord's Day. Welcome if you're joining us online and we pray that God will be with us, his Holy Spirit will be working amongst us. Now if you're excited about something, if something means a lot to you, if you want to tell people about something, they might might ask you, why? Well our first song is Tell Out My Soul, about telling how good God is. And if we sing through the verses, there are loads of different reasons that the hymn writer gives us for praising God and for telling other people about him. So let's stand as the music starts with Tell Out My Soul. Christmas and this gives us a great opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Christmas is a time of year where perhaps people are a little bit more open to coming into a service. So at the back, outside, we have some, some physical hard copy invites for you to give to your friends, your neighbours, your work colleagues. If you would prefer a digital version, then see Jane and she will forward you a digital version that you can send out. But it's a great opportunity to tell, G- to tell people about Jesus. Now we're going to read a few verses from Psalm 98. And Psalm 98 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. 
He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Let's commit our time to God in prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this opportunity to come and praise and worship you. We ask for the hope of your Holy Spirit to be here amongst us. We pray that he would help us to focus our minds on praising your name, on worshipping you, on remembering the good things that you have done throughout all time, of remembering your amazing love through the Lord Jesus, his willingness to come and die on the cross. For those of us that know you as our Saviour, we thank you that he was willing to do that. We thank you for your mercy to us in showing us our need of a Saviour. We pray that this very, small, this very morning, if there are any here who do not know you, if there are any here whose hearts are hard and they're not interested, we pray that you would soften them. We pray that you would convict them of their sin and show them their need of a Saviour. We thank you for the opportunities that we've already had to tell people about Jesus. Whether it's over this past week or whether it's been this morning in Rooted and in Sunday School. We thank you that your gospel message is simple. That children can understand it. That you are there ready to hear the prayers of children to accept them, to forgive them so that they can be saved and they can be your children. So, Father God, we pray today, you would be with us, and may our hearts be changed, and may we worship you. Amen. Now, today is Safeguarding Sunday. Now, some of you will know what safeguarding is about, and some of you may not be aware so much of what safeguarding is. Now, we have a safeguarding team here at Forest Fold. And Jean, Maz and Dave are going to come up to us and tell us about safeguarding here. So thank you. Good morning everybody. Um, When I was on holiday this year in Keswick, I saw an air ambulance in a field landing just near where we were walking. When they'd arrived at work that morning, I guess the paramedics were hoping they weren't going to be needed. But they would have been busy making sure everything was ready just in case they had an emergency to respond to. The helicopter needed to be checked the medical supplies on board might need replenishing and everything needed to be ready. So as soon as an alert came in, they were ready to respond. But even with all this preparation, the paramedics wouldn't have been able to help if no one had alerted the emergency services. If no one rang 999 or if the call handlers didn't know an air ambulance was ready, the paramedics would have stayed on base because they'd no idea they were badly needed and the patient could have suffered from not having immediate care and transport. The three of us up here have a job 
that works a bit like those paramedics. We are the safeguarding team at Forest Fold. And like the paramedics, we very much hope we're not going to be needed. But as today is Safeguarding Sunday, it's designated by the Christian charity that supports us in our safeguarding work, we want to share with you the things that are already in place and also what you can do to help make sure that everyone here, especially children, young people, and anyone who's especially vulnerable, feels safe and are kept safe from any form of harm while at church or while they're involved in church activities. Now, the church has just updated its safeguarding policies, and I want to show you uh, where you can access those. So, uh, we've got a slide there showing the... Um, the web page and you can see highlighted there is the safeguarding um, under the about us tab so if we could like to go to the next page it shows you where you go to and there you can see that there are the policies set out there so you can read those policies and um, become familiar with them you also see on there that um, at the bottom there it says to contact uh, safeguarding uh, team email so if you click on that you s and send an email that will go directly to the three of us and we can then uh, respond to that there's also a declaration uh, if you see there so um, everyone who deals with um, young people and uh, children will sign that and then we have that and that shows that they've read <coughs> the policies and will implement them so that shows that we've got all the uh, policies in place. The church leadership have uh, put these in place and put us in place uh, so that we can respond to them. But like the paramedics, we can only respond if you contact us. And I've shown you um, how to contact us um, on there or speak to any of us, and then uh, we will uh, respond to that. But Safeguarding is everyone's responsibility. If you're here, then you're responsible for safeguarding and bringing things uh, to our attention. And uh, then we'll respond to them. Thank you. Okay, but unlike the paramedics, as safeguarders, we sometimes have to do a bit of a jigsaw puzzle and put bits together to build up a whole picture. Um, so sometimes we will need to hear bits and pieces from different, different members of you. So if you've got something that you think is maybe a bit trivial or too small to mention, do still mention it because it builds up a picture for us. Okay, and records are kept of everything that we're told. Um, yeah, and we can see what's, what's really happening. So um, we've got a picture here of smiling children, but as we know, smiles can often hide pain or anxiety or worry. So please do let us know any time um, that you are concerned in regard to the emotional, physical or spiritual or mental safety of folk in the church. Posters have been put around so that you'll know who we are. Um, so particularly for anyone new here or the children who don't know us so well, then there's posters around with our numbers on or come and speak to us in person. Um, and children, do talk to your mums and dads or other safe, trusted people if you have any concerns or come straight to us, but do, do speak out. Um, and parents, if you've got concerns, do, do come and speak to us if you pick up on anything. So let's each one of us um, contribute to doing everything we can to keep our church family safe. 
Um, we want our church family to reflect the open and pure love that Jesus has for children. Um, in Mark 10, we read, don't we, that parents were bringing children to Jesus so that he could bless them. And when the disciples tried to send them away, he was displeased and he said, let them come to me. Um, don't stop them. And then he took the children in his arms and blessed them. So let's work together um, for the love of Jesus to be seen in us and God's name to be honoured as we seek to look after everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, children, um, after this next song, um, we have the children's talk, and Tony's going to do that. But, you know, sometimes you come up the front during the family services, and you will say pieces, you will read out Bible verses. Well, many years ago, um, at prize giving, someone learnt this next hymn, all six verses of it. So as we're singing it, have a think about what we're seeing, because it puts the gospel, it tells us about Jesus very simply. So as we're singing it, perhaps you could be looking and singing, Jesus, who lived above the sky, came down to be a man and die. As the music starts, let's stand and sing.
morning. Good morning and good morning. We have a long bed. Well, it's good to see you all. And this morning, we're going to talk about angels. Now, as we come up to Christmas, there's quite a few people who we hear about meeting angels. Can you think of any of them? Yeah. Mary meets one. Anyone else? Yeah. The shepherds? The wise men? That's great. The wise men went to see Jesus. The angels... Well, I can't remember seeing that in my Bible, but I have to have a careful look to make sure I haven't missed it. Yeah? Um, God brought a baby. God sent Jesus as a baby. That's absolutely right. Well, you've got two of the three people I want to talk about. Um... But actually, that's only a little bit. Now, when the angels come to talk to these people, I want you to notice the first thing that the angels say to them. Okay? What's the first thing the angels say to them? I'm going to put it up on there, and perhaps you might be able to work out what it is. So the first person, he's called Zachariah. That's the one you didn't get. He was going to be dad to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was going to be the one who told everyone about Jesus coming. Zachariah was doing his job. And I'm hoping... Oh, no, that's Mary. This is Zachariah. You see, an angel appeared to him as he was in the temple, because his job was a priest, and he was troubled. And what did the angel say to him? Can anyone see? I say, wait out, nice and loud. Do not be afraid. So the angel came to Zachariah and said, Do not be afraid. Who's next? Oh no, that's going backwards. Not doing very well with this, am I? This is the one you got. This is Mary. The angel came to Mary. And what did the angel say, first of all, to Mary? Yeah, gone. Do not be afraid. Now. Can anyone guess, when the angels came to the shepherds, what do you think the first thing they said to them was? Yeah, go on. Absolutely right idea. And almost exactly the right words. They said, fear not. Now, does that surprise us? I don't think it should do really, because... Angels, God made the angels much more powerful, much more holy, and much more glorious than we are. So I reckon if we'd have seen an angel, we'd be like them, we'd be really afraid. So when the angel says, do not be afraid, that's a, that's a, that's, I, think I think we'd want the angels to say that to us too as well. Well, I've been reading my Bible for lots of years, almost more years than I can count. And this week, I found something out about angels that I'd never noticed before. It's not to do with the Christmas story. Jesus was telling his disciples how important it was 
to look after children. And what he said to them, these disciples, was that if, a, if you welcome a little child, it's like welcoming Jesus. And he goes on to tell the disciples how important it is not to cause a little child who loves Jesus any harm. Now, can any of you read up on there what, was, what Jesus said would happen, what it would be better for somebody to happen to someone than to harm Golden? So, Jesus really, really wanted people to be very careful to look after little ones who love and trust Jesus. Now, I'd heard that before, but the bit that I hadn't noticed is this next bit. So, what he's saying to them now is take real care because there are mighty, powerful angels in heaven ready and waiting to look after little ones who love and trust Jesus. Isn't that amazing? In heaven, there are angels waiting to look after, to, when God says go, they're ready to go and help little ones who love and trust Jesus. So you might be small, you might be weak, you might be frightened, but in heaven, if you love Jesus, if you trust Jesus, if you follow Jesus, there's angels there, ready and waiting, mighty, powerful angels, ready to help you. And I thought that was an absolutely brilliant truth for us all to know. So, thank you for listening. Get back to your seats now. Thank you very much, Tony. Thank you. Well, let's turn again to um, our mighty Father in heaven. Let's come to him in prayer. Father God, as we come to you again in prayer, we do ask for your help. Through the Holy Spirit we pray that as I lead in prayer Lord, that each of us would connect to you Lord, as we think about you, as we think about who you are as we think about what you've done as we ask for your help we thank you that you don't just call yourself an almighty God. We, th- we thank you you don't just call yourself the great God, the only God Lord, the king of all the earth. And all those things are so true. Our creator. But we can also address you as our father. Thank you that you are there listening for our prayers. That through the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have peace with you. Lord, that we don't have to go through anyone special on this earth to talk to you. 
We don't have to be in a special place to talk to you. We can come wherever we are, whether that's at home in our bedrooms, whether that's driving in our cars, or whether that's here in this building. Lord, we thank you that you're accessible day and night. And we pray that we, as your creation, will be coming to you. Coming to you with our requests, coming to you with our praise, coming to you with our thanks for what you've done for us, for the way you've answered prayers. Lord, for the way that you are in control in your sovereignty in the events of our life. And Lord God, we think about the events of our life and Lord, sometimes uh, we struggle with them. Lord, we live in a sinful world. Sin touches each of us in our lives. And Lord, as Tonya said to us, Lord, we pray that uh, you would be protecting uh, the children. Lord, that you have given angels charge over them. Lord, to respond to you. And we do pray that you would protect our children from evil. Lord, we pray for each of us as we are touched uh, by evil and sin in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would help us too. Lord, help us to turn to you for help when we're under temptation. Lord, we pray that you would help us to fight against sinful tendencies that we have in our lives. Lord, we pray that we would want to be living our lives, that we would want to be living our lives close to you. We would want to be living our lives in the way that you have taught us to in your word. Lord, we pray that we would want to become more like you. Lord, we can only do that as we listen to you. Lord, as we read your word, as you speak to us through your word, as we hear your word preached on, on a Sunday, Lord, as we talk one another with each other about what you are saying to us in your word, help our hearts to be changed by what you are teaching us. We pray that we would not be hardening our hearts like Pharaoh did when you were speaking to him. Lord, give us soft hearts. Lord, we pray for those who have difficulties at this moment. We pray that um, they would come to you and they would cast their cares on you. Lord, knowing that you are a God who, as we're told in in Chronicles, is is looking, looking out on the earth to look for those people that are looking for your help, wanting to help them as they trust in you. And we might have many cares, we might have many concerns. Lord, whether that is with money, financial. Lord, whether that's with work, whether that's with broken relationships whether that's concerns with our children, or whether that's health concerns, we can bring each of them to you. And as we pray about them, we can look and see your answer to prayer and give, we can come and give thanks when we see that. We thank you for those who are unwell, that we can bring them to you. Thank you for answering prayer for them. We pray that you would continue to be with those who are unwell. We pray for a healing hand upon them, if it is your will. We do especially at this time want to remember Harriet and her family. We pray for them in the loss of Graham. We pray a hole he would leave behind. Lord, you know, the feelings that are there. Lord, but you're a God who can bring peace. You're a God who can bring comfort. You're a God who can strengthen. And Lord, we pray that you would, to that family, and help them through this difficult time. 
Lord God, as we think of, of death, we remember Muriel's funeral tomorrow. We pray and ask that you would be with the family as they gather here. Be with John as he takes that funeral. And we pray that, it, that good will be done from that funeral as he speaks and takes that funeral. Lord God, we are so thankful that you are a, a peace-making God. And that's the whole reason why Jesus came to this earth, so men could have peace with you. If they came to you and asked for forgiveness. We look around the world and we see the trouble. Lord, we pray for the events in Israel and Gaza. We pray for the events in the Ukraine. Lord, ask that you would bring peace, that the killing would stop, that the destroying of lives and homes and families would finish. Lord, we, we struggle to see how it brings glory to your name. But Lord, you must have a purpose for it. We pray that your restraining hand would be on it though and that we would see peace. Lord God, we were, we were talking earlier about telling people about you. We pray that you would give us opportunities to tell our friends, our neighbours, our family, our work colleagues about you. We pray there would be those opportunities to give out the Christmas service invites, that people would come in to hear about the good news of why Jesus came to this earth. May Christmas not be taken up with the commercialisation and with presents and with eating and drinking. We pray this year that the kingdom of God would grow because souls have been brought into it. That you have opened their eyes to see their need of Jesus as a saviour. Lord, and this time we pray that they would be born again. We ask, Father God, that you would be with John now. We pray that after we have read the passage that he is getting us to read, Lord, that you would be with him and you would speak to us through your word. We ask for your honour. Amen. Well, we, John is carrying on with the series that he's, he's doing with Moses and the plagues through Exodus and we are on to Extreme Vent 2. We're on to Extreme Vent 2. So if you turn with me to Exodus, we are in Exodus chapter 8, which is page number 50 in the Chapel Bibles. Exodus chapter 8, and we're going to read from verse 20 through to chapter 9 and verse 12. So reading from chapter 8, verse 20, all the way through to chapter 12 in verse 9. And we have three plagues. We have the plague of flies, we have the fifth plague where the Egyptian livestock die, and then we have the sixth plague, the plague of boils. Chapter 8, verse 20. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, 
so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus, I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign shall happen. And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It would not be right to do so. For the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people, tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, and still hold on them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field. The horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in the sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh 
and he did not listen to them as the Lord has spoken to Moses. And John will come and preach to us from that word after we have sung our next hymn, our next song, which is Beneath the Cross of Jesus, I Gladly Take My Stand. When there's trouble in this world, where are you standing? Where do you go for support? Let's stand and sing as music starts.
So if you're just joining us uh, this week, we are in the middle of extreme events. I hope that's not the case for too many of us in our lives, though it might be for some. But certainly it's true in our Bible series, as we're going through the second book of the Bible, Exodus. And we're tackling a series of disasters, sometimes called the plagues of Egypt. Uh, You might remember that the Egyptians had been meanly oppressing God's people for centuries. But that situation is about to change. God's promise is going to be delivered and it is gathering momentum so that the Israelites can be freed. Um, The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, has been told by God to let his people go. And we don't always like being told what to do, do we? But if it's God telling us, we should listen. But Pharaoh doesn't listen and refuses to take in God's word. And it results in these judgments in the land of Egypt. And we started to look at them um, last time on this, a couple of weeks ago. Perhaps you remember we looked at the, um, the first three, the first round, if you like, of extreme events or plagues, which were water supplies, frogs and gnats. And we saw three standout lessons from that first round, first set, which was God's authority, Pharaoh's hardness and the magician's conclusion. And we're going to follow follow a similar pattern this time as we look at the the next set of extreme events or plagues and see some of the standout lessons that come from them. So we come to the the next of the extreme events, actually number four as we're going through, which is swarms. So, Pharaoh gets uh, an early morning warning. Uh, You may not like the alarm going off in the morning, especially when it's dark and cold, but it's necessary, isn't it, for us sometimes to have our early morning warning. Well, I wonder if Pharaoh's on the way down to his morning wash at the Nile. And that's where Moses is told to confront Pharaoh again. And this is how the Lord wants him to warn him. This is what he's to pass on. Verse 20, the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you your servants and on your people. Now the word flies apparently is not actually in the original, it's just swarms. It's just swarms. Have you seen swarms? Well, we've had little bits perhaps. We've had the midges in Scotland maybe in the, in the summer. Um, you have the flying ants when they're looking to sort of land on a new nest and you've seen them. Perhaps you've had... Uh, busy 
nests near you or hives near you. This isn't just outside, it's, it's inside. The, the houses are filled with swarms. And it's not just on the air, but they're crawling around on the ground as well. Psalm 78, later in the Bible, talks about this time, and it, and it does use, uh, uh, talk about flies, it uses the word flies, and there it, it uh, tends to suggest a sort of stinging or biting insect. And the place is teeming with them. Pete Dinich's phone would have been non-stop. And all the pest controllers of Egypt could be nothing and were hopeless and helpless in the face of what was sent. Even Pharaoh's house and Pharaoh's servants are infested with these swarms. And it says, great swarms came into the house of Pharaoh. And the word there is really heavy swarms came into the house of Pharaoh. In some ways there's a bit of a play on words here. Heavy-hearted, that's literally hard-hearted, heavy-hearted Pharaoh is finally being repaid with heavy swarms. The land will be ruined by them, it says in verse 24. But there's something a bit different about this one which we'll pick up in, in, in a bit. It's not all the land of Egypt that's affected well, Pharaoh calls uh, Moses and Aaron and we pick up as well on what he says and he now wants them to go but not too far to worship God but somewhere in Egypt where it's still under his jurisdiction and under his control. Well, Pharaoh gets desperate and he, he says they can go he asks Moses to pray and God's kindness, the swarms disappear but Pharaoh cheats again. He doesn't keep his word. He doesn't let the people go. And we move on to another instalment towards heart-hearted Pharaoh. Up till now there's been plenty of disastrous events uh, but there's been no deaths recorded in them. This is about to change as we go on to the, the fifth thing, the next extreme event, the next plague, which involves the livestock. Moses again has a, a message from God and he, he goes into Pharaoh again. If Pharaoh refuses to listen, something startling will happen. But behold is the word as he introduces what's going to happen. He's given 24-hour notice before this is going to occur. And there's going to be something severe which is going to affect the livestock of the land. Interestingly, there are apparently two diseases that have been totally eradicated. And I think what, if you know what they are, you might be able to guess what they are. Two diseases that have been officially eradicated. Well, one is smallpox in 1980 and the second is rinderpest 
in 2011. And that's a disease that only affects livestock. It's known as cattle plague. It can have a a 95% mortality rate. Entire stocks can be wiped out. And the history of the disease um, is particularly got strong connections with Egypt and Africa. Uh, I don't know if this was rinderpest. God could use rinderpest. He might have used something different. And he certainly used it selectively as we carry on. But the effects were definitely severe. All of the livestock of the field. So what sort of creatures, what sort of animals? Well, we're talking horses and we're talking donkeys and we're talking camels and we're talking herds and we're talking flocks. It was a horrible time for animal lovers. But it wasn't just devastating for the animals, it was devastating for the people. Because livestock is food, livestock is transport, and livestock is future income. And there was this sort of widespread loss of livestock. Obviously, some are still left because they are recorded in future events, but largely... And certainly, largely all of those that were in the field, all those that were unprotected, all those that were out there, copped it in this plague affecting Egypt. However, again, the destruction didn't cover all of Egypt. There there was a group of people whose farms (laughs) carried on as normal, who still had... Who still had beef on the table, whose transport issues were not affected by this plague. And although Pharaoh realised that, his heart was not softened by the plight of the animals or the plight of his people. Uh, the last event in this cycle is is again brief, they are the last ones and there's, there's no warning recorded in what we have down and we come on to the sixth event which is sores, sores or boils. Now, now for the first time it, it, it affects their health, if you like, directly. Boils and sores. I got a bit confused last time in a muddle over exactly who did what. Somebody corrected me kindly over what Aaron did and what Moses did. Thank you for that. I do try and get the details right, but uh, there's a lot to keep on top of. While I double-checked on this one, uh, Moses and Aaron are are told to do it, both of them, but it's Moses that does it. He, He throws soot into the air from the kiln. Kilns are, are used to, to harden things and perhaps probably particularly there to make bricks. So you remember the, the kilns were sort of linked with the hardship of the Israelites because they were now had been told to get their own straw to make their bricks. So the, the kilns and the bricks were a, a sort of centrepiece of the, the harsh treatment that they were receiving. And Moses had to pick up the, the soot and, and throw it in the air and the soot somehow becomes dust, and the dust somehow becomes boils. 
and boils, breaks into sores. Pussy, festering, uncomfortable boils. I'll spare you too many details so you don't get gagging as you think of it, but it's, it's, a, it's a miserable business, isn't it, for the Egyptians. The people are affected and the animals are affected. And even the magicians are affected. Do you remember them last time, the magicians? They replicated some of the early um, plagues, but now they can't copy, and in fact, not just they can't copy, they can't even be there in front of Pharaoh. Why not? Because they have been affected by these boils, and they're off duty, they're on sick leave, they can't turn up. So this clear demonstration of God's power over Egypt and its gods and its ways, but Pharaoh doesn't listen, doesn't listen. So we've got three more, the next instalments, the events which occurred about this time and I just want to notice briefly this morning four standout things for us to to notice and to, to think about for ourselves. Escalating. You know what I mean by that? An escalator. You think of going upwards. You think of steps and stairs going Upwards, And the extreme events that we're looking at, they, they grow in um, severity and in intensity. Death hasn't been directly involved, but it is, as we got to number five. Health hasn't been directly involved, but it is, as we got to number six. Now, you may struggle with God allowing these things to happen in Egypt. Do remember that God waited centuries to do this. But do also remember that God started with powerful but comparatively mild events and then they're building up. Now, we need to be careful, don't we, of saying that the hard things that we go through are God's direct warnings to us because of our lifestyle. That that doesn't hold up biblically. We need to be careful of that. But the difficult things we see and experience, they are indirect reminders of what happens in a world that turns its back on God. And for those who reject God, there is more serious to come. And, And you and I do well to be sensitive to the gentle reminders. If you had some things which really you've gone through and which should have softened you. Do listen to the the gentler warnings, if you like, that God gives. Be aware of more serious things to come in his plan for those who refuse to listen. We notice sparing. Now, so often um, God brings good things on people who love him and who don't love him. Perhaps you're thinking of something in the Bible along these lines. Matthew 5, where Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount talks about the fact that God, so often in this life, doesn't distinguish so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain and on the just and on 
the unjust. But here in what happens, there is some distinction being made. With the swarms, some were, were spared, chapter eight twenty two. but on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Goshen, Goshen, was, was spared. Uh, with the livestock disease, verse 4, chapter 9, but the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. They, the judgments didn't come on this area of land. It's thought to be on the east side of the delta of the Nile. It's where Jacob originally comes to in Genesis and his family were settled um, at the time. And that, that seems to be a safe zone in what's happening. God, God wonderfully spares them from the judgment which is coming upon so much of the land. And God does spare, and God in future will spare some from the judgment which is deserved. There are some who find forgiveness. Who, who are those who find forgiveness and safety? Will it be you? It's those who trust in Jesus Christ and who turn in confession to God. Believers, if you trust in Christ, you're in a safe zone. Judgment can't touch you because Jesus has taken it instead. Now, children, you uh, perhaps play the game It. Apparently it's still called It. It's such a strange name for a game, isn't it? It. But you play It when you're trying to get people caught and sometimes when you play it there are areas which are safe call them home and if you're on the patch of home or you're on the sofa or on your on certain steps you're home you can't be touched you can't be caught you're in a safe zone and it's like that if you are trusting in Jesus if your hope is in Christ if you've confessed your sin you are spared you are in the land of Goshen, if you like. You are in a safe zone. That's why we sung the song that we did, the third one I think it was. We were thinking of that. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I gladly take my stand, the shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land. A home, even got the word there, home. A home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way from the burning of the noontide heat and the burden of the day. You're safe and spared if you're trusting in Christ. So I ask you, are you in a safe place? Are you on the steps? Are you home? If you shelter under the cross of Christ, you will be spared and safe. Our last two points get us thinking a bit more about Pharaoh. And the first is resisting. The fourth plague ends, did not let my people go. The fifth plague 
ended, did not let the people go. The sixth plague ends, did not listen to them. So Pharaoh was, his heart was hard and he resisted what God had said. The the evidence was, was piling up. He should have listened to the evidence. It had been predicted and warned and it happened. He would even heard that the Israelites were being spared. You know, he sent some investigators to the land of Goshen to find out what happened to the livestock of the people of Israel. And 